0: of my podcast, A Socialist Podcast, and I know it's been a while, I released one episode back in September, and I'm a college student, so I bet you understand how it can be a little bit overwhelming, and yeah, I just had to take a break from everything, and I apologize. But nonetheless, in this episode, we're going to be discussing this concept that's been by Western powers that has been said repeatedly and hammered in this idea that socialist states failed because they adopted a more socialist type of governance and I'm here to disagree to essentially prove that that is, as a matter of fact, not true. And there's a very, there's a variety of reasons. There's many reasons for which these nations crumbled. And we're gonna be discussing uh, many, uh, well, not many, but you know, Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, these countries that um, attempted that let go of the grasp of, were able to take, let go of the grasp that capitalist nations like the US and other European powers had on them, finally free to essentially exist without the constant exploitation. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. So please, (laughs) hope you enjoy. of the soviet union's influence continued to ripple throughout the world in countries economically exploited by the western powers such as cuba venezuela nicaragua guatemala iran chile haiti and several other countries several democratic elections allowed the populist socialist candidates to gain power but soon they started nationalizing industries that were a source of capital for many offshore corporations in the u.s the corporations that were hurt by the socialist movement lobbied for the U.S. to act and this monetary incentive combined with the Red Scare that had completely taken over the U.S. amid the USSR's growth, the U.S. would rather have fascists that murder any sort of opposition rather than an organic socialist movement because those movements are a threat to the capital-owning class. These wealthy individuals that gained their obnoxious amounts of money off the back of the poor and exploited populations. This is important to analyze because the years of the Red Scare have successfully pushed people that have been exploited by the current system to have coercively accepted the exploitative system as the end to all. This constant propagandizing of the ways that these countries were completely crippled by U.S. and other Western powers were hid under the guise of oh, they failed because they were socialist. And that is extremely moronic. And what has happened is that people, especially lower class, people in lower classes have begun to reject and accept system that exploits them the system that is present here in the United States capitalism this further follows a concept of political freedom and democratic values that we as the United States are supposed to protect and essentially this analysis is important because it puts, into question whether the attempted application of socialist reforms with a constant outside intervention was a reason for the results of so-called socialist <coughs> failed states riddled with poverty, starvation, and political unrest. One case one case where it was extremely successful was Thomas and Carol. Sankara I apologize he was an African socialist revolutionary that aided in the revolution against the grasp of colonial powers and helped establish successful pres- presidency as he became the target of many imperial powers uh, as said in the journal of pan-African studies the examination of Sankara's uh, contributions to radical political philosophies including visions of pre- participant um, Participative, citizenship, collective action, and pan-Africanism and reorientations of the African state. Thomas Sankara, after a successful coup in 1983 at the age of 33, was an example of the way that socialist ideas would prevail in nations where neocolonialism held the throats of the people. Sankara offered hope to the people of his continent that, that have felt the oppressive nature of tactical moves ordered by Western powers through the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, which led to the expansion of exploitation because, I don't know if you, you know this, but Africa in, throughout history has been exploited by every single major power, the United States, uh, the UK, France, Germany, and the list goes on. And what happens is that these these institutions like the uh, like the imf and the world bank give loans to these countries suffering suffering because of the exploitation that the people behind these institutions uh, um behind these institutions imposed on them and once they have these loans once they give them these loans they are forced forced essentially coerced into signing contracts in which they basically sending away their their freedom their personal freedom because now they have to give in to the capitalist interest of these major powers but nonetheless i digress the ability to unite the proletariat that has had the sweat of their brow robbed from them just to receive crumbs from the value they gave to the capital owning class. But once Sankara had control, he was able to put in plans, put in place several policies that were set out to help people of his country that have, ne- that have been neglected f- for far too long. Sankara pushed for a range of ambitious environmental policies in his country, including an enormous tree-planting campaign and extensive digging of rural wells to provide water security to peasants. And in in his improvement of public health services, including a mass immunization program against common preventable diseases, won widespread praise from international aid organizations. Thomas Sankara was able to take the appropriate measures to secure his people. <clears throat> to secure his people received the best care available to them. He did not put the capital interest first, but the people who had supported his reforms and protested non-stop the oppressive nature of neocolonialism in contemporary Africa. As a freed French colony prospered economically and socially, there was much backlash from the feudal landowners that had their land re- redistributed to the vassals that were exploited for the labor so much progress was made in the four years Sankara was in power but it was cut short due to a coup concocted by those sympathetic to the French colonizers this instant of an external force pushing out the current socialist government was not an anomaly it is a continuous stream of constant outside intervention you see because it's simple logic if you rich man who profited off the <clears throat> a profit, a profit off third world nations that are paid pennies, third world nations <clears throat> that are basically exploited for cheap labor, if they turned back and fought back and made your income, your profit suffer, would you not be threatened and do everything in your power to regain control? Even if it meant implanting the idea that any sort of revolution, like that sort, is bound to be a failure. There's this constant, there's this, like I mentioned in the introduction, like I mentioned, there is this constant propaganda machine that has successfully worked. It won. It worked. It it did its job. So many Americans, so many Europeans, so many are afraid, afraid of this system that would help them. They're afraid of this system that would essentially allow them to fight back the exploitation that occurs under a capitalist system. And this isn't by accident. That is what I want you to understand. I want you to become aware of this. This trend of prosperous countries under under democratic socialist rule continued just as well throughout the world as socialist revolutions against the oppressive government spread. The United States had realized that hands-on change in government was not always plausible. Therefore, a new form of warfare was called sanctions and embargoes. Cuba was one of the nations that were able to end the violent U.S. puppet state. Castro wanted to go forward with a plan to stop the dependence of world pow- on world powers to sustain itself because it had the materials and manpower to do it. As he said, with the exception of a few foods, lumber, and textile, Cuba continues to be a producer of raw materials. We export sugar and import candy. We export hides and import shoes. We export iron and import plows. Everybody agrees that the need to industrialize a country is urgent. Cuba, as a nation, could become the exporter of its products with many natural resources that were used by third party companies that were targeted by socialist reform. Western powers had already placed a target on Cuba for dealing with the Eastern Bloc, and Castro knew the importance that trading was for any country. Castro knew how the fall of the Soviet Union has left them alone in the dark with capitalist snakes in the water. As stated, Cuba faced the combined force of the collapse of Soviet bloc communism and the U.S. economic blockade newly strengthened the malicious Cuban democracy. In, In 1993, because of this double blockade, And particularly destructive weather conditions, Cuban sugar production, which had averaged around 7.5 million tons in the period from 1987 to 1991, dropped to a low 4.2 million tons. The country braced to earn a hard currency sufficient to pay for little more than its planned imports of fuel and food. And the value of Cuba's total imports fell another 24%. Cuba was severely affected by the sanctions and embargoes placed on them by the United States, which crippled industries within Cuba that caused there to be economic turmoil. These crises were artificially created for the sole purpose to prevent any sort of progressive development within the country. Cuba planned its development towards industrial independence, but the U.S. had begun to eliminate the sources required for any sort of development to begin the United States placed a strategic sanction as a form to cripple the government and push the people through suffering and starvation to change the government. Cuba was still able to continue the production of its exports but was wounded by the constant harassment of the U.S. sanctions and embargoes. So, essentially, the United States has continuously, continuously intervened in Cuban relations, as long as many other socialist states, and that is what is quite humorous. That's what's hilarious, because you have these, you have these people, and both Fox News and CNN, both right and both um, conservative and liberal media outlets, consistently pointing fingers at Cuba. Look, like, look, these people are starving. These people are dying. These people are are, are suffering because of the Cuban regime. When they know they understand that it's the U.S. intervention that is leading to the cause of this turmoil the constant intervention the constant disruption has caused these people to suffer and they're aware of that and in the past couple months there have been many protests many, many, many many protests uh, in Cuba a minority of them have focused On wanting U.S. intervention, a majority of them are protesting U.S. intervention. But when you turn on CNN or you turn on Fox News, they have them—they have protests playing of both sides. But guess which side has their signs, has their signs blurred out? Which which side has their sign (coughs) has um, are not being interviewed? Of course, the, the 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 supporters of Cuba the people that don't want the United States to intervene these are the people that are silenced because the, uh, it has to follow a narrative against any sort of leftist any sort of leftist policy any sort of leftist any sort of leftist development because at the end of the day no matter how you see it, Fox News CNN BBC they all have the same goal they don't want any sort of leftist movement why? because it's a threat to the people that own those media those media those media organizations it's (laughs) it's such a well-oiled machine that has worked effectively for years and years and years that is why it's so important to be aware of this so important, it and it's come to the point where, where you have so-called liberals spewing the same talkie points as, the, as um as conservative commentators. But this concept of intervening, <laughs> intervening from afar through sanctions and embargoes is not the only thing that the United States is guilty of. The United States was never innocent. Its constant meddling in other countries was constant. They had begun a systematic attack on any sort of socialist uprising throughout the world. There were not only distant attempts like in Cuba Aggressive and deadly operations to eliminate any sort of socialist movement. Attempting to silence any sort of possible significant events in Chile in the 1970s were similar to Brazil in 1964 but produced both more violent and more controversy. Chile had manifested a relatively long history of democracy, increasing political difficulties led to the election in 1970 of a minority socialist president, Salvador Allende, garnered 36.2% of a reasonably fair and free vote. So you need to understand that these countries understand that their material conditions under a capitalist system, a capitalist oppressive system that exploits them for their blood and sweat, is, doesn't have any sort of room. In their country so the next step to them is socialism in which people that <laughs> have honest and dedicated morals are brought up and put into power democratically which is what the United States constantly blabs on about defending the constant threat of US intervention in in democratic elections was feared. Violence and death were following everywhere that the United States stepped foot in. There was no way that socialist states could even begin to naturally sprout. The capitalist status quo was to be enforced necessary. Because socialism was a threat to the imperialism and neo-colonialism that allowed the exploitation of resources at will, the impoverished and neglected believed that the social The societal structure under capitalism was not suitable for them, it allowed them to be exploited in the first place. Yet even though these populist movements rose into into fruition, there were death squads paid by the US government to stop any sort of leftist mobility. The CIA had produced a training manual for the rebels that advocated quote-unquote neutralizing civilian officials and condoned military attacks on civilians. The CIA had funded death squads in Nicaragua to kill any sort of opposition in the Democratic election, which the Sandinistas, a socialist party, won with a record 62% of the votes. The Reagan administration quickly acted against it. There was no place in the world where a socialist movement could rise without Uncle Sam ready with a knife to its back. The ability for freedom of justice to act was extremely limited. These democratic states could not take place. Authoritarian fascists with a choice of preference for the US government because they suited their best interests in privatization, anti-workers rights, and pro-corporation policies. Just think that for a second. Just think about that. The United States of America would rather have deadly regimes than would they would rather have fascism forced fascism rather than natural socialism if they constantly talk about they constantly talk about how socialism is set to fail why don't they let it fail naturally why are they so scared to even let it happen just think about that just think about it why be afraid of something you know won't work something that won't function it doesn't make sense because they know the threat it poses to their status as a world power and it's caused so much so much death and destruction capitalist interest is constantly put first profit over life that is what how it's always been, and that's how it's going to continue. Because they are constantly attacking and destroying any sort of movement. And although revisionist historians might argue, <coughs> might argue that. The methods in which these socialist countries acted were the reason for the inevitable failure. There's a consensus among some economists that the reason for socialist states failing was due to the economic consequences that follow the implementation of socialism. by taking on socialist policies as they said the intensity of repressed inflation under these conditions would have been would have to be measured as a percentage of ratio of this accumulated fund of non-voluntary savings to consumption actually in open inflation access by excess buying power is cancelled by price rises. according to critics of the socialist nation the issue was the initial implementation of socialism. The ways that <clears throat> the economy was not able to bear the functions similar to those of capitalist governments. The focus placed on a system that does not place the accumulation of capital at the forefront over other properties. The structure of these governments led to their utter demise, and attempts by outside forces were put in place to help the people that were supposedly suffering under these c- conditions. This is the perspective that they take on. This decline in economic status was then connected to the work ethic that was produced in the labor market. The system we shall be investigating has a labor market on which people may conclude a work contract or refuse it. The supply of this market is inelastic because most workers are economically (coughs) economically compelled to earn a living. The argument is that human nature places one to simply be selfish and neglect any so- sort of responsibility towards having a work ethic within a socialist state. The economy is wounded by the adherence to the ethics within socialism, this, the blame constantly placed on the system. Capitalist revisionists have repeatedly criticized the systems under Soviet rule in Eastern Europe during its reign, yet the true understanding of socialism or capitalism has been heavily misconstrued because of revisionist historians have have meddled with the history of socialism as much as US has meddled in socialist countries. These revolutionaries and protests are a result of injustices that occur under a capitalist organization of society. Karl Marx described the class struggle as inevitable under under this exploitative strain induced by capitalism, as he stated, so it was, the civilization and justice of. of the uh, the bourgeoisie order come out in its lurid light whenever the slaves and judges of that order rise against their masters, then this civilization and injustice stand forth as undisguised savagery and lawless revenge. Each new crisis in this class struggle between the appropriator and the producer brings out this fact more glaringly. Class conflict is a number one threat to capitalism because it puts into question the hierarchy established the defanging of these socialist movements is essential in maintaining the illusion of choice, this manufactured consent that further allows us to be exploited for the benefit of the bourgeoisie or capital-owning class. Justice in capitalism is not carried out to help all, but maintain the status of a few. Because in the end, the only thing standing between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie will be, <clears throat> will be the set law and order. Capitalism successfully alienates and effectively detaches its constituents from any sort of self-fulfillment by placing (coughs) sorry by replacing that with a false idea that work will fulfill those personal needs this coercive tactic this (laughs) this dogma that is developed under a capitalist system is used to create this idea that the only way to successfully prosper is by adhering to the norms developed under a capitalist state. This, wo- this work culture that has been developed that continuously <clears throat> that continuously shames people for not wanting to work when they're sick, for not wanting to work if they can. There's no freedom to justice in a capitalist society because it is all dictated by the class that owns most of the wealth capitalism in its essence promotes death and poverty because only then can the accumulation of wealth remain at the top of the hierarchical structure that protects those interests. The US and other western powers have continued to dampen all attempts for socialist movements to get off the ground. So many, so many socialist revolutionaries have been murdered, killed, targeted by our government so many people constantly say is the most freest and it's a country where you're not gonna get shot in the street or imprisoned for <clears throat> you know speaking your mind when well, that's exactly what has been happening. Fred Hampton, Malcolm X <clears throat> Malcolm X, um K Jr, all these individuals and so many more have been targeted by the federal government in order to attack the threat to the status quo. The development of any sort of system that threatens the capital of the wealthy or, crumb- or crumbling American empire will be stomped on. There have been so many victims to neocolonialism and exploitation from the supposedly better alternative to socialism that, <coughs> that values profit, <coughs> sorry, profitability, profitability over human life. Freedom and justice are automatically antithetical. The concept of capitalism, because it, it's in its nature to promote inequality. After all, there will always be a need for a population to be exploited. There have been successful countries that have benefited from the liberation, but even then, there are external factors that have been affected <coughs> by the way these nations sorry by the way these nations thrived. Through direct and indirect tactics, the U.S. has affected the constituents of the populations that supported the democratic socialists in Latin America, violent and aggressive coups used jointly with economic blows. These have led to the economic situations that are brought up against socialist states, especially in the Soviet Eastern Bloc. This act of meddling in foreign relations prevents freedom from thriving within these nations such as Chile, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, Iran, and so many more. The working class will never be able to achieve freedom from alienation in the workplace and obtain democratic control over the source of income that they give value to. It is clear that the main factor for these socialist countries being crippled is a result of constant outsider influence and the death and destruction that follows the imperialist nature of the United States of America in foreign affairs. All in the name of protecting capital interest of a select few because that is all that matters in a capitalist economy. Like I mentioned in episode 1, there we can stop world hunger in an instant. We can create public housing, there's been programs, there's been successful programs in other nations which chew, which proves the way that public housing can actually benefit, benefit way more than homeless shelters, but we don't do these things because it's simply not profitable no incentive there's no incentive so why do them and it's these same people it's these same people that defend capitalism that these same people attack socialism and constantly say oh socialism it, it, it's in our human nature to to not follow the ethics it's fucking stupid and moronic because <laughs> the contradictions In a capitalist society, are ever more present. Are ever more present. They constantly critique socialism by by talking about capitalism. And no, and no, I, I do not. I am not one of those defenders of China, and you know the Soviet Union, like Stalin's totalitarian regime. I am not one of those people. I'm a socialist. I, re- I refuse I refuse to believe I refuse to believe that democratic control of the workplace is not possible I refuse to believe that it is us the workers who give value to companies without the workers a stack of wood does not become a chair that is then sold without the workers, there wouldn't be actual value in companies. The shareholders that sit on their ivory tower, on their ass, holding stock, a majority of the profit, they do nothing. While the workers that are actually working, that are nonstop being overworked, exploited for their value, that, how is that fair? And it's constantly brought up this idea that, oh, well, well, these uh, you know the people that started the business, they took the risk and so on. And so like uh, the, the workers owe them because they're giving a job. No, that's stupid. That's uh, that's not a fair take. Because their risk is becoming a worker. They understand the oppressive situation that workers constantly have to live under. They understand that. And they don't want to be a part of that. They don't want to be a part of that. So they take bailouts (laughs) from the government. While these same people that are constantly taking millions and billions of dollars worth of bailouts. Like Elon Musk. Are consistently shitting on any sort of stimulus package. Just like a little, just a little fucking fun fact. Like, did you know that Elon Musk has not been profiting off their sales? that they're solely being held afloat by taxpayer money by subsidizing and that's absolutely moronic and I know that I'm deviating from the main topic of this episode but I just want you the listener to just become slightly ever so aware of the situation that we're in and at times it can be quite (sighs) quite hopeless but there's no room for that, and that concludes the second episode of my podcast. So I hope you enjoyed. Um, please, any sort of feedback, let me know what I can do better. Um, if something's, uh, you know, just let me know, and uh, I'll do my best to I'll do my best to um, attend to those and. Let me know of any topics you want me to cover, any specific situations, or if you guys would like if I got more into news and broke that down and so on, but I hope you learned a thing or two and you gained a new perspective on this lie that socialist nations failed because of their socialist ideals. Have a wonderful day, night, evening, morning.